Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications, demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. Sales Plottinger was no longer a company, and none of the staff had a job. And I, I regret the fact they all lost their job, but it, you know, our ruling was pretty clear that this was exactly what a PR company should not be doing, stirring up hatred through its power of communication. Welcome listeners to the Misinterpreted Podcast. I'm Kelly Fletcher, CEO of Fletcher Marketing PR, and welcome to part two of our chat with PRCA UK's Francis Ingham, leaning from the front on PR ethics. So Francis, let's pivot here for a moment and talk about ethics, the ethics issue and how PRCA manages this area. First of all, please tell us a little bit about the Bell Pottinger case, as I gather that's probably PRCA's most high-profile ethical compliance case study. Um, It it certainly is, and it was a defining moment uh, for us. Um, So we received a complaint against Bell Pottinger, which was a very famous, uh, pretty large, PR Association, a uh, PR agency, sorry. Um, we received that complaint from the Democratic Alliance of South Africa, the main opposition party in South Africa. And if you Google it, you get about 19,000 <laughs> wow. um, articles and hits <laughs> wow. that come up. Um, and that's just if you Google our respective names. Um, and their complaint was basically that Bell Plottinger was uh, doing work on behalf of Oak Bay Capital a fairly innocuous uh, financial company in South Africa that was owned by the Gupta family. And the Gupta family uh, was seen as having, in the phrase, um, acquired the South African state. Um, and the, the the basic work that Bell Pot was doing was to say to poor people, predominantly black people in South Africa, um, you are poor because of white minority capital, because white people own everything and they're excluding you mm. from prosperity. Um, now, that's, you know, that is a political point of view, and one can take that point of view. But the work that Belpont did was alleged, and we agreed, um, stirred up mm. racial hatred in South Africa and racial tension. And that is a terrible thing for PR people to do in a country that is so delicately poised. Um, So we received a complaint. We considered it very thoroughly. Um, It provoked quite the reaction. Um, So I had people turn up at my home in London uh, from South Africa threatening to kill me, um, hammering on the door in the middle of the night. Uh, I I don't know yeah, what to say uh, to that. Um, I uh, mean, gosh. I had no idea. <laughs> my word. Uh, yeah, it was quite scary. Uh, a, a van turned up my house in the countryside to take my children away to kill them. Francis, I had no idea. Uh, and I would that see you, the. I, I had no idea about that. Oh my word! It was quite full on, and I'll get these videos every day of ways that. Um, People normally on a farm in South Africa had been tortured to death and with, with videos of them. So, and how would you like this to happen to you sort of content. Um, so some, they're, they're all pretty graphic. And I've seen more ways that people can be killed than I would wish to see. And in the end, I 
I stopped looking at any of them. Um, and we had a fair bit of police involvement. Um, so I still, before I get out of the car, always now look behind me to see oh, if anyone's behind me, uh, following me. And it was all quite over the top. Um, but the, it, it was seen as a very big moment in South Africa. Um, and, and it was. Um, so we went through a legal process. We had a delegation from South Africa with lawyers and a delegation from Bell Pop with lawyers. Very legalistic process. We expelled them. Um, within a, a week of us expelling them, Bell Possinger was no longer a company and none of the staff had a job. And I, I regret the fact they all lost their jobs. But, it, you know, our ruling was pretty clear that this was exactly what a PR company should not be doing, stirring up hatred through its power of communication. Um, and uh, on the on the back of that, uh, the the company having ceased to exist, um, I think the industry mm-hmm. got a great message. You know, it rode in behind us, said this is the right thing to do. There are standards. They are enforced. Um, Richard Edelman in New York said it was a defining moment for the PR industry. Um, and I, I look at the consequence of had we done anything other than expel them. If we hadn't have expelled them, we would have said PR has no standards. But we did mm-hmm. the opposite. And we proved PR does have standards. It is overwhelmingly ethical that when something goes wrong, we enforce standards. And I think that's very important, actually. Francis, it's amazing that you had to go through that to stand up for our profession. Thank you. I mean, I am, I am, this is very sobering for me to to hear this because um, truthfully, a a specific colleague of mine and I were on the receiving end of quite a bit of retribution and retaliation for some of the advocacy we put forward in the market. And um, at times we did not feel comfortable in certain um, at certain events. Um, and I won't go into details on it, but I mean, we ne- we didn't face anything like what you just described. Um, but I mean, it, it, I mean it, that that's a that that was a courageous thing to have done, Francis. You put your and, life on the line, really. I, I, I for, mean, oh, my well, word. That's very kind of you. Um, <laughs> well, well it, it, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's daunting to think about. It's not what you really sign up for when right. you head up a membership body, and you shouldn't have to. <laughs> Uh, But um, it it was a really important moment for our our industry. And if you look at it from a different point of view, the the fact that people and the people doing the threats, making the threats were people on both sides of this debate, Mm. the fact people felt so fiercely, incorrectly, you know, fiercely, but but fiercely about it, shows how important it was to, to come to the right conclusion and do the right thing, because you really did have a country where division was being widened by the actions of, of one of our members. Um, and it was important to, to, to make a, uh, a stand against that. Yes, you know, it's embarrassing to call out that in the United States, if a public relations agency breaks our U.S. PR Association Code of Ethics, basically nothing happens. Oh, yeah, that's correct. I mean, if you see a colleague violate the ethics code here in the U.S. from from here to Sunday, you can contact a board of ethics and professional standards known as BEPS, and they will tell you 
yes, we'll sit and listen and entertain your story on what you think happened, and we'll take some points from that story and try to craft some kind of teachable moment out of it, but only using hypothetical names or just hypotheticals for a case study later to educate people on what not to do. But that's the end of it. I mean, BEPS does nothing beyond that to intercede with the offending party. I think a lot of our U.S. Association members don't know that. And I know I really never gave it that much thought until recent years because everything we do in our company, I consider to be highly ethical. But most of our members have no idea that the PRSA ethics code over here in the U.S. is not enforced. And it only exists to quote, unquote, inspire people. And that's basically direct from the handbook. So <laughs> right, right. And that's a lot that, that there is a lot, actually, that our U.S. colleagues may not know that they don't know. I mean, under new rules passed in 2018, you can file a grievance. Um, but as I just recently learned, the association does not publicly disclose who is even reviewing the case and whether they have a conflict of interest or not. Leaders are basically allowed to investigate themselves or appoint their close friends to do so. Um, results of an of an investigation are not reported in any form of transparent way. I mean, the process simply doesn't foster trust. And it's just not healthy for the organization. It's not healthy or helpful to the profession, really. And it's it's really about authenticity. I mean, that and transparency. Right. So, and those are such big words right now. And transparency is one of our core values in our company that we use to measure a mistake or not. And it, it seems that PRCA could not be more open and transparent on the record and public about how you review ethics violation complaints. Your process does foster trust, just like with the Bell Pottinger case. Yeah, I hope it does. Um, we, we try to make it do. Um, with, uh, with every complaint we receive, there's a due process that's followed. We take it all very seriously. We have an independent committee uh, that considers every complaint made up of very senior people who have no conflict of interest um, whatsoever. And mm-hmm. both the complainant and the defendant are made aware of who those people are. Uh, they can object to them. Um, we we didn't make public the names of people who considered the bell potting the case because there were going to be threats against people's oh, yeah. lives. Right. Um, but the but, but both parties concerned were perfectly aware um, who they were, um, and I think it's important to have a robust and independent complaints procedure that is fair and thorough the public confidence in our industry. You know, we we talk about the challenge of trust um, and of reputation uh, for ourselves and our clients. Well, the public has got to have trust um, that they can complain against malpractice and that it will be acted upon because otherwise there is simply no point to having a membership body. Right, and what I love is that if a member organization or individual has violated violated your ethics code, not only are they expelled from membership, you send out a news release and announce it to the world. They <laughs> right. don't go quietly into the night. So I think that bears out um, how committed PRCA is to preserving the integrity of our right. of our profession. 
Yeah. Well, justice has got to be done, seems to be done, because otherwise it isn't really justice. Right. Well, and I will say, too, that it speaks to the relevance factor of how PRCA has made itself the relevant voice in the profession. Uh, and I, since I'm uh, speaking to um, a Briton, I will say that uh, the late, great Margaret Thatcher once said, if you have to say you're a lady, you're not. <laughs> and I would so, agree with that. Yeah, and and you apl- are a lady. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But, but applying Lady Thatcher's same logic, if you have to ask if you're irrelevant, you are. <laughs> and unfortunately, here in the U.S., we have so many leaders or people who, you know, posture as leaders asking out loud, you know, is our profession relevant? Is our association in the U.S. relevant? So I think the jury is back and the verdict is this on that, that our U.S.-based professional community does find itself in a leadership conundrum. Some might even say it's an all-out leadership void. Um, I, I, I would argue that argue that point. But that aside, we do have fantastic leaders of agencies over here in the U.S. We have some excellent thought leaders. We have fantastic leaders of teams. But we do have a void as to that one single universal voice of the profession being one that is known, respected, you know, going back to that concept again, um, and sufficiently visible in the right ways to move public relations forward and the interests of our U.S. professional community, uh, which, you know, the U.S. Department of Labor, I think the data they have is that there are hundreds of thousands of uh, practitioners in the U.S. in the public relations and strategic communications area. I've studied this problem long enough, and I feel like I probably have enough war wounds at this point to say it is a conundrum that is not going away, and it's not going to to fix itself. And that's part of the reason, Francis, that PRCA has just blown me away with regard to uh, the the value that you provide in the marketplace. And for, you know, benefit of our listeners, peace of mind, I pay PRCA to be a member. I'm purely a volunteer when I say all of this. I don't mean to be just over the top in, in, in my effusive comments here about how much I've really embraced this organization. But the more I discover about PRCA, the more impressed I am, the more I want to be a part of it. And really that's thanks to you, Francis and your, and your team. And I'm, um, you know, it's, any normal consumer, I think, who finds a great experience, they want to share that experience. And that's that's kind of been my mantra here in recent months. And I just really yes. want to congratulate you and your team about um, about what you've accomplished. That's incredibly kind of you. And we are delighted to have you both as, um, as, as members. Um, and hopefully um, more American members going forward, too. Um, my view, and I'm never coming to the end of the of the chat, is that we have a global community of PR practitioners um, all around the world. You know, very different markets in terms of where they are in maturity, um, but we face pretty global issues. Um, and I think the best way to do that is together. And I also think we have global values and global values in terms of ethics, like telling the truth, uh, having regard to the public interest, um, not stirring up division or hatred, um, I think are best enforced rigorously. And I think that the, the imperative on associations everywhere around the world 
to do the right thing, enforce standards, and take the tough calls has never been greater, and that we, frankly, all ought to embrace it internationally rather than individually. And I just wanted to thank you for for the time to to chat and to share our thoughts. Really, it's um it's great. Well, Francis, thank you for sharing your leadership and vision with us. I'm I'm so inspired by this conversation right, and you. really very proud to be a new PRCA member too. And to our listeners, you can become a PRCA member as well. If you're based in the U.S., you can become an international individual member by going to the PRCA website at prca.org. UK. You can also contact Rena Markson, that's R-E-N-N-A Markson, M-A-R-K-S-A-N-S-O-N. She is Engagement Director for PRCA, and she can be reached at rena.markson at prca.org.uk. Yes, you can also follow PRCA at Twitter handle PRCA underscore UK. You can also follow Francis Ingham on Twitter, as I do, at Ingers1975, uh, <laughs> and that's I-N-G-E-R-S. 1975. And don't forget to follow as well the Misinterpreted podcast and social media. We will respond to your questions and comments. So please post them using the hashtag Misinterpreted. And that's hashtag MS interpreted. And for visibility's sake, don't forget to capitalize the PR. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter at KD Fletcher, and that's KD as in Kelly Dawn, as well as at Fletcher PR. And follow Mary Beth at Mary Beth West. Our thanks to our sound engineer, Chris Hill of Knoxville-based HumblePod at HumblePod.com. Thanks, listeners. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time 